passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast. I'm Michael Brunts, joined by Brian Christofferson. It's game week again, finally. Uh, after the second bye, we, uh, everybody got their, their second rest, um, got, got, got uh, rejuvenated for the final five games. Uh, also, a big commitment from Nebraska on the bye week, so it wasn't completely idle uh, for, for that group, but... Uh, Brian, let's just jump right into it and breeze through this. Um, let's start with recruiting because that was kind of the, the, the story of the week. Not only you know, Nebraska's coaches being on the road and, and trying to uh, do some work there, but Malachi Coleman, four-star athlete, uh, wide receiver, potential defensive edge player, but likely wide receiver from Lincoln East commits mm-hmm. to Nebraska what were kind of your initial thoughts on that? I don't know that it was a huge surprise that he stayed home, but I don't know that it was necessarily a, a slam dunk uh, for Nebraska that that was going to be the case. Yeah, I think in those cases, I try to do this, Bronze, where you know where you feel like a recruit has been angling toward a certain decision for maybe four or five months or however long it was. And so when it happens, you can occasionally it's human nature to be like, well, of course, you know. Um, and I think you got to be careful with that. And you got to almost step back to like, they finished it. They, they got a commitment of a, what is he ranked in our system right now? 67, 70, something like that. Um, you know, so you got one of the top 100 recruits in the country. Yes, he was in your backyard, but he had a lot of people knocking on his door. And I think it felt like from the first interview he ever did, when Mickey Joseph sort of came to meet him for the first time, or they had their first phone call or whatever it was, 
that Mickey was a half step ahead of the competition. And Nebraska maybe had other advantages, of course, with maybe some NIL opportunities here and stuff like that. Uh, but give Mickey his due on that one. They, he recognized, I think, from the beginning, not only is this a prospect with some big upside, but perception matters a whole lot, too, right now when you're trying to get this program rolling. And you don't want to lose a guy who uh, can drive to the stadium in 15 minutes. You know, like th- those are the guys you've got to have. And they got him. So let's not uh, let's not just gloss over it and say, well, that was supposed to happen because in this day and age, nothing's a layup anymore. What well, a big change that Nebraska made strategically after Mickey Joseph came was they they wanted to get him kind of spearheading in-state recruiting, especially in Lincoln and Omaha. Those those were two big areas that Nebraska needed to get better at. Mickey kind of grabbed that bull. Uh, by the horns. And, you know, you, you hear Malachi Coleman say, you know, straight up, if, if Mickey Joseph weren't at Nebraska, he's probably not picking Nebraska's hat off that table on, on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess, you know, that kind of feeds into the whole, okay, well, what's Mickey's involvement going to potentially be down the road? But um, I, I, I guess, what do you kind of make of, of the the approach that Nebraska's had recruiting in state since, since he's kind of been there. Cause I mean, Barrett Root is still very involved. Uh, he, he's out at schools too, but you know, in, in Omaha, it's Mickey making the offers. It, it's, you know, him kind of driving the bus there. It's not like they weren't using other staff members at times throughout the state during the frost era and other guys didn't get out there. However, it was certainly, a primary guy and it was Barrett rude. And it felt like to me, they were missing an angle there by not having another, like a one, two punch, you know, and the Mickey Joseph uh, gave him the one, two. And I don't rude sometimes takes some flack because of that last cycle, you know, where uh, four or five guys escaped. And I don't know. I'm not as hard on him on that one because he was batting a pretty high percentage until that cycle. And it did feel like kind of a year where you ran into a bunch of guys who had the same mind, like, I want to get out of here. Um, and would have that been different if Mickey had been here? I don't know. It would have been pretty interesting to watch. But I do think um, their their strategy is much better. Wouldn't you say, Brunch, just like the fact that like you get a couple of different voices and you know, like maybe this guy really connects better with this certain recruit, this guy with this one. And you're able to, uh, I think it, it gives you versatility, I guess would be the word. So uh, that's how I sort of see it. I, I don't know why they weren't doing this previously with more of a two-pronged approach in state. Yeah, I know that at least in some of the 24 class recruitments that, you know, Travis Fisher was stopping by on, on some defensive backs. Um, you know, you, you saw uh, Greg Austin out a little bit before he was uh, mm-hmm. let go, but, but never just kind of that, that focus. And I think, you know, when, since Mickey's been the interim head coach, what you've seen too, is you've seen a lot of offers to, 2026 recruits uh there's been you know multiple out in omaha there there was you know been a couple 2025 offers uh in omaha and they're they're getting much better i think nebraska is at you know if there's a kid that's worth that you feel is going to be worthy of an offer in your backyard just make the offer and start building the relationship and i think that's kind of how nebraska's has to operate going forward because until you kind of turn things around on the field 
I think you need to be better about evaluating kids earlier. You got to build that relationship earlier and you got to get kids thinking Nebraska earlier. I mean, I, I just think that that's, you know, been one kind of unfortunate, um, you know, result of Nebraska struggles on the field is you just have, have allowed kids' minds to wander a little bit about other schools and, and going different places when, you know, that there's a, a big time football atmosphere right down the road if they want it. So, mm-hmm. um, I, I, so this I think is an important way and we'll see what happens obviously over the next five weeks with, with how Mickey might be involved in this thing. But, um, that, that was a big win that, that I think Nebraska kind of needed in their first commitment since, uh, the week of the, the, the game in Ireland, uh, went with Cameron Leonard. So, yeah. Um, Kind of, I guess, shifting gears a little bit, but still along the, the Coleman conversation. What do you make of, of the future of that wide receiver room? Um, you know, because I think that's ultimately where Malachi ends up. I think, you know, you, you've had various wide receivers, coaches, and people responsible for recruiting that position over the last few years and, and have not really done so with great success. You've got most of the guys that are contributing right now have come in via the portal. So how the heck do you kind of make sense of what that, that room potentially looks like in the future uh, now, now that you have Malachi Coleman in that group that also includes mm-hmm. a Marion Miller, Barry Jackson, and Jaden Doss? Well, if Mickey is around, um, whether he's the permanent head coach or still coaching the receivers you know, a, a year from now, I think what you're going to see is that Mickey's going to have a shorter leash. He has said this much with receivers. And so if you're not like within a year or two, like looking like you can actually factor in here, um, he is going to use the portal fully and and all that stuff. And, you know, I remember he told us in an interview, you know, there's good 20, those 21 year olds who are in the portal, um, you know, they, they, they were big time recruits themselves usually three years ago. And so that, and now they're men, you know, they've grown up and, and so he kind of likes that, but I do think you've got to get that base settled where you get three or four guys who are prep recruits who come into the program and they really steadily develop where you get a little from them the first year, you know, it's tracking, right. And by year two or so, it's kind of off and running because I feel like that's a position that's maybe different than the trenches a little bit where you can get on the field quicker um, if you've got the right goods. Like it's just sort of one of those spots where, you you know, like if you're a D lineman, we it can be very difficult as a 18 or 19 year old to play in the Big Ten just because your body has to grow into it. At wide receiver, I feel like you can kind of work around that a little bit. Um, and what your requirements are. So they need two or three from this cl- class they got now, Bruns, to hit. You know, they, they they need to settle it. I get these jokes. You probably get them, too, on Twitter all the time about, oh, another wide receiver. And it kind of goes back to, like, the Keith Williams era or when he was a wide receivers coach and other stuff. And there were all these offers. And so there's always this all this talk about receiver. This guy's visiting. That guy's visiting. And so people are kind of wide receivered out a little bit with recruiting and they kind of think it's way too many of those guys, not enough trenches guys. But if you actually step back from it, they haven't had a great success rate of keeping receivers rolling that they actually recruit or getting them here or keeping them here. And that's, what's got to happen. And that's why you keep hearing so much about wide receiver recruiting is because there's just, 
it's a cycle. It's spinning guys out and you got to find new ones. And hopefully a few of these guys actually stick for a while now. Well, yeah. What, what's the list of, of wide receivers in the last like eight years who have actually made it to senior day? It's like Stanley Morgan Jr. and Mike Williams. That, yeah. That's that's the group. That's it. How many think of how many didn't make it a year or, you know, I mean, they showed up and we can get into a whole different era and go down a rabbit hole with that. But, you know, even guys who would sometimes have good springs, like a Darian Grimm was a name from the past popped up. They liked, and he wasn't in the program, you know, after a few months. And so it's, he's just an example um, of how it's kind of been where there's always like these headline hopes about guys but it really hasn't had much substance to it. And so now they need the substance. Yeah. It, I mean, that, that position is a little bit of a, a a good example, I think, for kind of the rest of the program where you, you get highly ranked guys in, but you can't develop them or bring them along if they're not there. I mean, that, that, that's been the, the toughest part for that group. And, and, you know, with a lot of the young guys in the program right now, if you look at the wide receivers who are suiting up game after game and especially the home games, a lot of those young wide receivers aren't even in uniform for non-conference games. And nope. and that's, that's a concern. I think Bonner is a guy they like. Yep. And, and he's Bonner, traveled. Yep. And, and Bonner's a guy who can, uh, don't forget about him. And Nicholas Crawford was injured. So, I mean, there could be two guys there. We'll see what happens with that. That's a tough deal when you get right to a campus and you're hurt. I think it helps that he has such a close relationship with Mickey um, so maybe those two, but you're right. There's some others in the last cycle or two that, uh, they're just not, they're not in the equation right now. And, um, one last thought on Malachi, he's a four-star guy. And we talk about developing players all the time, Bronson, getting the most out of them by year three or four. Along with that, Nebraska needs its four stars to be four stars. You know, they, they like need that to start being the, where a top hundred guy, like is that guy you know some programs when they really are elite you'll see a a player make a play for another team and you're like well of course I remember him when he was a 2019 recruit and he was ranked 32nd of course he's doing that I feel like it's been too few and far between for Nebraska on those cases of those guys sort of meeting where they were and I think it's made this is, I shouldn't even say this, but it has made probably some people skeptical around here of the ratings, but I, I only say that to say in other places, those ratings are proving very accurate with guys. <laughs> so I don't think it's, I don't think those ratings are just bunk or anything is my point. I'm saying Nebraska, for whatever reason, their guys who are rated highly have not hit, I don't think like some other guys who are rated highly elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's, uh, that, that's a trend that has to be reversed quickly. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to 
other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Um, should we shift over to, uh, the, the guys that will be on the field on Saturday? We got, uh, Brett Bielema, a ranked Illinois team yep. coming into Memorial stadium. Um, I don't know that a lot of people would have predicted that at the start of the season. You probably could have made a fair amount of money if you had predicted that and, and backed it up with a little cash. What are you kind of – I mean, let's just kind of get into this game a little bit, but what what do you kind of make of this matchup for Nebraska? Because you've got, you know, Iowa, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Michigan, and Illinois left on the schedule, and I would put Illinois as probably the second toughest game left on, on Nebraska's schedule. Is, is that fair, do you think? Behind uh, yeah, it's up there. Um it definitely could be. I don't want to uh, sell Illinois short because of the teams I've seen, certainly in the West, they're the most complete, you know, we've seen um, this this year. I think their defense um, has really fed off. They haven't played maybe the best offenses so far, but you can just tell when you watch them that they, they play off each other so well and everybody, like, it's one of those groups, like, everybody knows their role, what they're supposed to do. And Ryan Walters, I know you're a fan. I'm a fan. He's going to be a head coach somewhere at some point, maybe next year for all I know. Um, but he, I mean, he's got a defense that's like number one or number two in like the four or five major stats across the country. So it's pretty amazing when you consider when Nebraska went to Champaign for that week zero game last year to start the Belima era, that was a program no one was really thinking about. And they, I think, think thought well it'll take three four five years Belima is a good big 10 coach he'll make them a six win seven win team and that'll be that kind of that was my thought and um I never would have guessed they'd be right here right right here right now I'm thinking of the song right here right now that song this starts that when I said that but um I don't like this matchup for Nebraska on paper necessarily Bruns because Chase Brown's one of the best running backs in the country and then you got a defensive line I think for Illinois that's thinking it's going to maybe feast on this Husker O-line which hasn't given us a lot of reason to believe in it so there's that part of me and then the other part is I think there's so much parity in the Big Ten that I still kind of think Nebraska is going to find two or three explosive plays somewhere yeah. 
while scuffling through most of the game to make it really close with five minutes left. That's sort of where I'm at with it. Yeah, no, I, I think I think that's probably where I'd lean with it too. I mean, the the spread opened at five points in favor of Illinois. I the thing that concerns me about this matchup, and you kind of hit on it a little bit, is Illinois knows who they are offensively. Um, they, they've got a good running back. I think they've got a good Big Ten West offensive line. I think that you know Brett Bielema has has very quickly kind of said, "This is who we are offensively. We're going to run the ball." They've got a better quarterback this year that's got some toughness and can make a few throws. He's not, you know, he's not going to concern you maybe like Aiden O'Connell will, but, you know, and then on the flip side of that, you've got Nebraska playing without Nick Henrich, without Luke Reimer, I would expect is probably going to be back, but we don't know that for sure. And, you know, this is a Nebraska defense that's coming off of just giving up 100 and 178 on the ground to a walk-on freshman running back from Purdue. So that that concerns me a little bit. At the same time, mm-hmm. does Illinois have anybody that can run with Trey Palmer? I don't know. Um, if the offensive line can give Casey Thompson just a, a, a little bit of time, I think there should be a couple deep plays there to be had, like you said. And, you know, it's it's a home game. I think the fans are still behind this team. Uh, and, and we'll kind of see where they are coming out of the bye. Illinois is also coming out of a bye. But um, I, I think it's probably going to be another one of those, you know, four-quarter type games. And it feels like another instance where Nebraska's defense is going to have to make stops late and, and tackle well. Because if, if you're giving Illinois third and short in this game, I just think you're in for a really long day that's going to play right into their hands and and the way that that defense can kind of control things. My biggest question is the Husker defense, because even though the Nebraska O-line, when you think about that matchup, you're like, man, that's scary how that could go. And it could very well be that way. I can envision a game where Nebraska's offense looks pretty rough for like 90% of the snaps but there are those explosives that are so explosive that that might be what Nebraska has a little bit that some other squads Illinois hasn't played had. That's maybe the thing that gives Nebraska where you're, if you want to talk yourself into it, a Trey Palmer, you know, even Anthony Grant, I know he's not had his best couple of weeks with having space to run, but if he had like, you know, one 45 yard run Bronx, even if he beat his head, against the wall for four quarters, but he has that one play, you know, where he just gets loose and and the stadium goes nuts. That's how you can win a game like this if your defense can get a grip on things, sort of like they had in the second half prior to Purdue. I don't know. Do you think it can help that for the defense, even though the Illinois is really good with Chase Brown running the ball, now it, maybe you feel like they're a little – I don't want to say they're one-dimensional, but you feel like you kind of know what you're going to get from them as opposed to last week or two weeks ago against Purdue where Nebraska gets gashed in the run. But part of that is you're also just scared to death of like you know Char- Charlie Jones and Aiden O'Connell. And at least now that, that part maybe allows you to kind of narrow in a little bit on what your main assignment is for this one. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'll be curious to see if Nebraska just kind of tries to shut down the run and so basically says beat us on the pat, beat us through the air. I mean, I, I think Danny DeVito's I, grandson, show us what you got. <laughs> Check it over my head, Danny's grandson. No, <laughs> I, I think 
I, I, that's kind of how you have to approach it. I mean, I think you got to take something away. And, you know, I, I think, you know, if, if Nebraska tackles well and, the, and if they get get defenders to the ball, I feel reasonably confident that they can make it a four-quarter game. Where, where it's going to be tough is if you get the, the inability to set the edge, um, you know, Illinois really getting off tackle kind of like Purdue was able to do and, and find some space on the outside. I, I just think that's where you're going to have a lot of difficulty if you're Nebraska. And, and that that's that scares me not only for this game, but you've got Minnesota on the other side of that, who's going to probably try to do the exact same thing. And then you know you, you've got Michigan and Wisconsin and Iowa that are all kind of you know cut from the same cloth. So coming out of the bye week, the, the defense to me needs to have a, a significantly better approach and in, 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 you know performances than what they showed going into it. I, it, it, to you, I mean, is it does it need to almost kind of be like a Rutgers type game where it's low scoring, or do you do you think Nebraska tries to turn this into a track meet if they can? With Mark Whipple, you never know. I mean, Whipple's kind of like we're going to do what we do best, and I'm not going to veer from it. And um, but I think they've got to have some commitment to the run and kind of keeping some clock moving, um, even if it's not like giving them great results but it's sort of like hey it's there you know like I think you've got to at least set it in front of them like we could do this and not just abandon it um I do think the Purdue game in some ways the way they got behind by 17 maybe factored into it and then it was so obvious in that particular matchup I don't know that Illinois the way they're playing defense you got to figure they have some guys that can maybe run with Trey and uh you know, the Purdue game, it was so obvious nobody could that it was almost like, how do you resist this? You know, it's like um, it, even if you know you kind of want to try to run the ball, you you kind of got to go with the thing where it's like we could. Yeah, but we could score a 65 yard touchdown right here if we just do this. So I don't know. It's the matchup is not appealing to me for Nebraska. And then I this is not good substance and it's not how you should analyze a game. But I do get this. I do get this way with sports. I feel like the Big Ten has a certain storyline that's developing brunts where uh, it's going to be a mess. And Nebraska beating Illinois just feels like the next part. Like I can't get around that there's something in me that says that could happen because, you know, everything is just sort of uh, falling into place for this to be like a four-way tie. You know what I mean? If Nebraska can beat Illinois, Illinois is the one team who could say, no, that's not how this is going. We're actually a seven and two type team in this yeah. league. But I mean, Purdue, I mean, Purdue is a great example. Like they, they beat Nebraska and they got a good win over Minnesota, but they go minus two in turnovers at Wisconsin. And that's the difference. So I think if Nebraska could actually go plus in that category, um, you know, I, I think it will be a close game if that's the case. Yeah. Time, time of possession will be huge in this game. Nebraska cannot, get killed in that in that metric like they have been um and and also there's still a just talking about the complete car crash that's the big 10 west right now there's still a very very narrow window for northwestern to make the big 10 title game so um you <laughs> exactly. still have that in, you still have that in play on october 25th if things break right i don't think they will but the uh that's a million to one Telling and me if, another chance situation. And if, if Nebraska doesn't fumble on their own tw- twenty yard line last time, 
yeah, remember Illinois was in here during the COVID yep. season and <laughs> Luke McCaffrey started and there was a first play where nobody thought yeah. it was a fumble. So yeah, avoid that beginning maybe too. Yeah, let's let's avoid that. Um, so real quickly, we'll finish on this. Um, the basketball season started, kind of. It's yeah. You had an exhibition. Shadron State was in town. Uh, give give me two minutes of of what you saw from this completely new look Fred Hoiberg team that suddenly has perimeter length and um so some guys that uh, like playing with each other. Yeah, a couple of quick. They won eighty seven to sixty. It was 44 to 38, which is a little closer than you want it with about 16, <laughs> 16 minutes left. But then Nebraska went on a huge run and it was 80 to 46. They're up 34 with by the time there's five minutes left. And so they, they really asserted themselves. Uh, something to note that Hoiberg said, not surprising, but I think for people who are just passing by seeing the score. Nebraska basically was only running two sets. Like they was running one post set and one perimeter play on offense. They didn't want to show anything. So you got to factor that in. We weren't really seeing the offense. I like Jawan Gary runs. Uh, he, <clears throat> even when he wasn't hitting his shot, he was getting his own rebound and they were, uh, they played him kind of strange. They gave him a favorable matchup. So that probably was part of it, but he had 23 points in 20 minutes, nine rebounds. He was just very active, came off the bench. Um, I I think uh, Denim Dawson, I don't want to overdo this because I don't think Dawson is like the sixth or seventh guy even yet. He's more like your eighth or ninth. But I see the young potential in him where he could, if he keeps growing, he's just a live wire. Like he gets his hands on the ball and he, you know, he's a high flyer and stuff like that where he might pop in in this season for where they're playing in a Big Ten game and you'd want his defense and his activity and he gets in there for four or five minutes and kind of gets the crowd rolling, you know. I could I could see that. So Grissel looked good. Uh, he just was just workmanlike. I think that's how he's going to be. I just think you're going to get steadiness from him where, um, you know, Verge was so up and down last year, Alonzo Verge. It was sometimes yeah. amazing to watch and sometimes it was really tough. And uh, I think Grissel's just going to even that out a bit. Verge, Verge currently top five in scoring in the uh, Polish professional yeah. basketball league, whatever they call that. Uh, Glenn Watson Jr. also top five. So a lot of uh, in Nebraska the Polish intrigue in Poland, if you really want to find it. Um, do you, Last one. Do you think that this is – it seems to me like – I'm going to take, you know – broad brush the heck out of this based on one exhibition game, but it seems like a group that it's going to be a lot of guys averaging about the same amount of points rather than last year where it was, you don't want to say hero ball, but it felt like it at times. I thought you were going to say, it seems like a group that's going to make the final four in Jim Nance's <laughs> final, final year uh, covering the final four for CBS. Yeah. Which was that, a big that, that would be uh that would be pretty improbable, but that was big news headline the other day. But um, yeah, that and that's sort of what Emmanuel Bandumel said um, a couple weeks ago when he met with the media. He was talking about this. This is a group where really no one's overly concerned with being like the high points guy in that they're going to spread the ball pretty well. And I I do think it's going to be a team where uh, your high point guy, even on successful days, could be 
13, 14 points, you know, but maybe you get three or four of those guys between 10 and 14 points. And that's, that's a nice day at the office. So um, I think that's more of what we're looking for with this team, as opposed to last year where you knew Bryce McGowan's might get 29 and, or Verge might do that on a given night, but then the next guy might have 11 and then the next guy has six, you know, that sort of thing. And I think that's good. I think, I think uh, Trev Alberts had an interesting comment the other, last week on the radio about co- talking to coaches about also having teams that sort of appeal to this fan base and they identify with. And we, I think we've talked about it with last year's squad, not that they're bad guys, um, just the, their style of play with the one-on-one and all that. Um, Nebraska fans checked out on that team pretty early, if we're honest. Like they were, they even, it wasn't just the record. It was just the style play. I just don't think they connected with how they played defense and other stuff. And I, I do think this group is going to be different in that regard where even if it's only 13 or 14 wins, people are kind of like, they're going to fight, you know, they're going to be on the floor, all that stuff. And we'll see if that proves out. First game at Pinnacle Bank Arena where they were selling alcohol to get a little rowdy in there for Shatter State. (laughs) No, it wasn't. I did see a few people complaining about the prices, but I was like, what do you, ex- I mean, what do you expect people that if, you, if you're going to want to have a pop here, they're going to, they're going to get you, you know, that's, this, this is a dollar beer night. Yeah. This, this isn't iguanas on Thursday night. It's uh, in 2002, you know, where it was 50 cents a cup or 25 cents, maybe. Um, just that, bring a whole tray of them to the seat. That's what they want. 25 cent beer at Pinnacle Bank Arena. Just keep, keep the Coors Light coming. Yeah, the little plastic cups. But uh, no, I didn't. No one had to be taken out or anything. And to get, nobody was like down by the Shattered State bench. Like <laughs> Just let them out. have it. Yeah. <laughs> um, maybe, maybe I'll change when it gets a little more uh, intense, but I'm thinking not. I think most people will be kept to like a, a two drink limit within the arena because of the prices, probably. Yeah. And I, you know, that's, that's part of the reasons why you price it that way, I think. Yeah. So Nebraska has one more exhibition at Colorado, and then they open uh, against Maine, just like the 2005 Nebraska football team did. Yeah, Bill Callen. It was 25. Black- it was kind of a tough game. They they won 25 to seven. I believe that would have been like the Steve Octavian era. Um, I remember he had a play in that game. Yeah, against the Black Bears. So we'll continue to follow that. Um, I think that's. You got anything else? I, that's all I got. Nope, there should be plenty on the site uh, with access here this week with as they get ready for Illinois. So, yeah, they, people should keep coming. because And recruiting, we, we got a Malachi Coleman bronze, but they offered 26 guys last week. So people should come to the site and check out all the stuff there. A lot of junior <clears throat> college offers uh, went out last week. Brian and I have been running those down, <clears throat> Schaefer as well. Um, so we'll have all of that on the site. Uh, Hypecast coming up this week with the <clears throat> usual – Fighting the Line Eye Week guest. So look forward to that. And uh, yeah, keep checking the Husker247.com. And uh, we'll talk to you, I guess, in a, in, in a few days here with the hype cast and all the, uh, the coverage leading up to, to Nebraska and Illinois. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. 
Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.